Hello, and welcome to the Bikes and Podcast, a podcast about bikes, but more about the people that ride them, the communities that they build, and the stories they create than conversations about the latest shock technology, wheel sizes, and how to improve your Strava time. Every two weeks, I interview people with a story to tell, an event to promote, or a cause they are passionate about. If you'd like to be on the podcast or have an idea for a story I should cover, please contact us. You can go to the bikesand.net website and click on contact in the navbar. My Twitter handle is at mybikesand and my Instagram feed can be found at bikes.and. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Bikes and Podcast and that you have a great ride. This episode of the Bikes and Podcast is coming to you from Golden, Colorado, and is the second in the series titled Bikes and Community. Today, I am honored and excited to be talking with Sina Saluxaran, international mountain biking legend, who comes to us here in Golden, Colorado, via Turkey, soon to move to Salt Lake City. A refugee who in 2011 was on his way to racing for his country in the Asia Mountain Bike Continental Championships, when an admission to belonging to a non-Muslim faith led him to being removed from that team. Sina was stunned. All I wanted to do was race a bike for my country, not for any religion. It didn't read Islam or Christian or Baha'i on my jersey. It just said Iran. A tough decision to leave his homeland and family behind him has led him from Iran to Turkey and now to Golden, although the adventure continues because he'll soon be off to Utah. More on that later. But for now, Sina, welcome and thank you very much for joining me this morning. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Thanks for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, not at all. And um, some things you should know is that um, Connie has been very kind to lend us her house here in yeah. Golden. Um, and as a first for uh, the Bike Sand podcast, we are actually being uh, videoed here as part of a uh, documentary that's being being made about you right now. Right, yeah. So um, you were born in Iran. Yes. Um, can you tell us where in Iran you were born? I was born in Tehran, the capital city of Tehran. Okay, yep. Um, we were living in northwest of the Tehran, which was like a more bike-friendly, huh. not like super crowded and the traffic was not that bad right. for riding bikes yes more on the um on what it's like to ride a bike in iran in a moment but tell us a little bit about your your family well i have my parents my dad and mom living there with my younger sister but i have my elder sister living in another country in india uh-huh. okay because we cannot study in iran in higher education so she left to india to continue his education right uh, how did you originally get into riding a bike in iran in the first place uh well as a kid i started uh, riding bike when i was six mm-hmm. and uh, get older definitely uh, start uh, improving my skills so i remember i was like nine years old i built my own pump track in front of our home uh, building bumps and jumps and berms and waves so so because i remember there was a motocross track near our home so every weekend we were going there and watching the motocross racing with my dad and yeah i was trying to like uh yeah, learn some some of those jumps and tricks. I know a number of people who ride mountain bikes. Having started off in motocross, that seems to be the thing, and also a BMX as well. That right. seems to be a yeah. lot. So, very very common uh, um, background there. Right. But tell us about the the bike riding scene in Tehran. It's very good. Um, most of the people, if they are doing it in. Uh, racing level most of them they're doing full-time and uh, pretty good community you can meet like every day for example in west of tehran like you go out eight o'clock and probably you will meet like 25 friends 
you can have a great group right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, are they all riding mountain bikes or are they road bikers as part of this community as well? Yeah, road and mountain. Mm -hmm. Some of them on um, road bike and some of them uh, on mountain bike, cross country mountain bike on the road. Right. Yeah, um, they're drafting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Wheel sucks. <laughs> right. I think that's what they refer to, isn't right. it? Within, within Tehran, are you fixing your bikes yourselves or are there bike shops or how does that work? Pretty much most of the time, but I didn't have like enough tools, all those specific tools. Uh, I don't know, like bottom bracket or like some of the specific tools. Um, so I go like ask friends if they have tools. If not, yeah, bike shops. Right. Obviously, there are significant sanctions uh, on on Iran. Importing bikes and tools and right. things might might be difficult. Is is that true? Yeah, it is. It's really hard uh, to find the parts, and it's really expensive by current currency mm -hmm. over there. And but still, still. I mean, there's a lot of bike lovers and they're doing it. I don't know how, but... <laughs> are you taking parts of old bikes in order to use those parts on other bikes? Yeah, some people do, do that. And uh, nowadays, technology is like, uh, very different. Sometimes yeah. you cannot match the parts and mm -hmm. sometimes you can. Right. And a uh, lot of parts coming from uh, Asia... Uh, or East Asia right. but um, normally people traveling there and you just give them money and like you, you ask them if they can buy some of those parts right um, tell me about your uh, more about your parents what, what do they do in Tehran today I presume yeah my dad is doing a kind of plumbing job so we cannot uh, as a Baha'i we cannot have like official or any kind of governmental job so he's doing plumbing uh, most of the time out of the uh, city mm -hmm. and uh, very far uh, different cities and normally he come home every two weeks to visit the family mm. yeah wow um, so it's been like that for Almost 20 years. You have a sister, you say. She's living in India. And I, I think I read somewhere, unfortunately, you missed her, her marriage. Right, That yeah. must have been really hard. Yeah. Uh, well, we we never thought this, this things are going to happen or like not having a, I don't know, residency or citizenship. And it's hard. When was the last time you saw your parents or your sister? I think it was over three years. Mm-hmm. Wait, where were you at that time? Uh, I was at my parents last time in Turkey when they were saying goodbye to me. Mm, that must yeah. have been tough. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, it was. Can they come over here? Uh, they can't uh, easily because we don't have U.S. embassy in Iran. It's hard for Iranian nationalities to right. get a U.S. visa. Relations between the U.S. and Iran appear to be unthawing. Um, changes... Uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, this is the uh, the day after the U.S. election uh, with the election of Donald Trump as the U.S. president. Um, and, and maybe things will take a different direction here based on some of the rhetoric in his campaign. But um, let's hope that relations between Iran and the U.S. are at, at, at best unthawing a little. I hope that that results in uh, making things a little easier for you to to meet up with your family at some point. Right, I hope so. Yeah. Um, so let's just, you've mentioned the Baha'i faith, faith a couple of times. Um, so I'd like to maybe talk about that for, for a little bit here. So you are a follower of, of the Baha'i faith. Right. Can, can you tell um, me something about the, the basis of that, of that faith? Uh, the Baha'i faith is uh, from Iran, uh, around 175 years ago. And uh, the prophet of the Baha'i faith uh, is Baha'u'llah. And it's about uh, peace and unity. So What a great concept. Right. <laughs> uh, 
um, it, it seems strange that a faith that's based on those principles would be outlawed in, uh, in Iran. Right. Um, I think I'm right in saying this. Within Iran, uh, you know, a non-Muslim faith like Christianity, for example, uh, is tolerated in that country, but the Baha'i faith is not. Well, can you help explain that? I uh, it's kind of uh, I don't know it's complicated but uh, it's it's about the religious belief that the, the government Iranian government has and Iranian government is a religious government based on their religious belief they believe that the Islam is the last uh, religion and any other religion will not be true and accepted after them. And that's related to the belief of the Prophet Muhammad is is the last prophet. Right, yeah. And uh, so that's why the Baha'i people are uh, very discriminated in Iran right. from their social and human rights. Right. So probably you cannot have like official job or some sort of job and probably you cannot continue education after high school or anything like national or governmental you cannot be part of that right so i never i mean it was not unexpected but i knew that might be it's gonna happen a couple times trying for um you know going to university but that couldn't happen so i tried to be more serious about biking and mountain biking right 2011, I become a, one of the best riders in national team camp, and so it was like four days before Asian Championship, they just say, no, I cannot be part of the national team. Yeah, so actually that's a great segue to what we want to jump into, really the meat of this conversation, which is your relationship with mountain biking, uh, racing them, and, and how we find ourselves having this conversation today. So, right. so take us back to May 2011, six and a half years ago, uh, you're walking into the offices of the National Olympic Committee for the Islamic Republic of Iran to fill out the required paperwork to travel to China for the Asia Mountain Bike Continental Championships. Right. What happened then? So uh, when they select and announce the uh, riders and who they're going to compete in Asian Championship, the Iran um, Olympic Committee invite the team, whole team, to their office, and there was a form. In the form, it was like a basic... Uh, personal information, the name and, uh, you know, family name stuff. And so other questions, why we are doing this trip or where are we going? Are we going to stay out of the country or not? And there was a question about the religion too. So I didn't check the form um, at the beginning because there was not enough pen in the room, so it was only two, and we were like maybe, I don't know, we were 10 of us there. So juniors, riders, elite riders, women's, and like uh, coaches, stuff. So so my friends was helping me to write down my, my names and stuff too, and he write down my religion too as a Shia. and A Muslim? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And later... I realized that there is that question, and I asked him what he mentioned there, and he said that he mentioned Shia. And I asked him, you know that that I'm Baha'i, right? He said, oh, I just totally forgot or something. And uh, so we were out of the room, and uh, the day after that, I made the decision to go and tell them that is not true, and I'm not a Muslim, I'm Baha'i. And fix the fix the fix that question, because I think that uh, that's gonna make a conflict maybe, because they already know that I'm Baha'i and maybe you know later on they're gonna figure out I have to tell the truth. So I, I think everyone and myself included would would applaud you for that honesty. But there may be some people who are saying, did you ever think? No, I'm just going to leave it um, as. As, as it is, rather than go back and change it? No, I didn't hesitate to go tell the truth at all because uh, this things this discrimination is happening for years and years. F- from even my 
previous generation that they lost their education and their life opportunities and mm-hmm. being in jail for their religion or their belief or so this opportunity was one of them i i applied for university twice and i couldn't get into the university and because of your faith right mm-hmm. and this one as was the same so uh, and i think religion has nothing to do with the sports and why I, why i have to hesitate to saying that mm-hmm. and we are going we were going to represent iran and i'm sure that i raced many 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 uci races and i'm sure nobody in the uci races asking about your religion um it doesn't matter for them no <laughs> so the only things that matter is your nationality and, and how fast you can race a bike right exactly mm-hmm. so uh, what is your nationality and what did you ended up like uh, how you finish your race and how many UCI points you get like so you've now been told that you cannot race in the um, Asia mountain bike championships in China how did how did that make you feel well it was disappointing um, I didn't it was not It was not unexpected, but it was disappointing also. And uh, so I didn't think that even they have problem, like, Baha'i people being in sport. Like, why? Like, what's the problem being in different religion and riding mountain bike? Mm-hmm. So, as I said, what does religion has got to do with the sport? It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. Um, so uh, beyond that then, um, that, that, you, that disappointment behind you, um, you decide to take some pretty radical steps to uh, change that situation. And one thing leads to another, you, and you find yourself uh, living in Turkey. Right. So why, why did you end up in Turkey? So um, I was really fit at that time, and we were in national team camp probably for six month on and off and uh, and I was really fit and feeling strong probably the strongest that I ever feel and we had a coach from Japan and uh, so Asian champion is from Japan for seven years in a row now and that guy has pretty good hope that I can do something in Asian championship as well But uh, anyway, when I left the camp and come back home, so my dad wasn't home too, and asked me, all right, uh, you knew that this is going to happen, right? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he asked me if I'm sad or not. I said, no, I mean, this is, this is disappointing, but uh, I did it for my heart because I love biking and I love racing. And uh, he asked me what I'm going to do. And I said, uh, I know I know that there is some races in Turkey. And I'm going to go search and see if there is any race closed so I can go there. And my dad just said, uh, let me know if I can do any help. So I did quick uh, search on internet and there were some races. So I decided to go there. And it was like two weeks after that day and I bought a bus ticket and traveling with bus uh, across the border and go to Turkey and race there. It was a class two uh, UCI race uh, between, I remember there was four countries there, Turkey, Greece, uh, Cyprus, and Iran. So that was my first try of UCI race. When you raced In that first UCI race, what nationality did you race under? Iran, mm-hmm. for sure. So you were wearing Iranian colors? Yeah, because I was in national team camp for a long time, and I've been in national camp for many years also. But that year, 2011, I selected as a uh, probably the strongest rider, and there were really strong hope that I can maybe win something or come up on the podium uh, but uh, so that's how it was when they discriminate me and they tell me that I cannot accompany the team or being part of the team 
it was only four days before going to China. Uh, so before that, they they gave me my UCI card. So I had my UCI card actually on my hand. So I traveled with that and uh, participated in UCI races. I placed fifth in, in that UCI C2 race in Turkey. Actually, there were like two of my teammates. Uh, they were in the national team camp and they went to China for Asian championship. After they come back, they said that they want to join me for this trip as well. So we bought ticket in the same bus and we all traveled together, three of us. How long does it take to get there? It was almost uh, 48 hours, two days uh, on the bus. We arrived in Ankara, the capital city of Turkey, midnight, and we take another bus. It was like another four hours to, to, the, to the race. Um, and uh, yeah, we got there 11 in the morning a.m. And the rest of the story. So when is the what time was the race? So it was not race days. We we arrived there like right. two three days. Because I thought ahead. what you're going to say is you got there at 11 and started right. racing at no, two. No, no. <laughs> you're going to say it was a couple days <laughs> ahead of the race and. Um, so we it was summer and we stayed at the school. <laughs> there were beds in in the classrooms. So a lot of great and friendly people. I'm and, sure. Yeah. Yes, um, I'm going to jump into a complete tangent here, which is the fact that I I honestly believe that 98 percent of the world's population are good people. Right. And two yeah. percent are not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And most people I talk to completely validate that assumption. Um, I think it's true. There right. Go. Yeah. Um, okay. Great. So you, uh, you you race in that. You come. You place fifth in in that competition. Right. You end up um, permanently being placed in Turkey. Right. Um, as a, I, I think I'm right in saying as a sort of um, temporary place while you're looking for another country to move move on to. Right. Um, while you're in Turkey. Um, you end up working for a mountain bike guiding company. Um, tell us a bit about about that Middle Earth Adventures or one of those. Maybe give them a plug as well. Right. Yeah, definitely. I call them my life sponsor, probably. So some very good people. Uh, they gave me so much opportunity, so I can continue racing. What's the name of the outfit? Uh, Middle Earth Travel. Middle Earth Travel. Okay. Right. Right. So. Um, Staying in Turkey, it didn't happen when in my first trip to Turkey, actually. Um, when I did that first race uh, with my other Iranian teammates. Uh, so actually, they, they went back to Iran, uh, but I tried to stay there and try more races. And I stayed there for my entire visa period, which was about three months. And I did uh, five more races, ended up getting three podium uh, in total six UCI races. And then my visa get expired and went back to Iran and visit my family over there. And uh, uh, when I was there, uh, my local team manager uh, called me and invited me to his office. And he asked me why I wear Iranian national jersey in in the in the team, and uh, when I placed on podium. So I said, "Why? What's the matter?" And he tell us that he tell me that uh, I should stop making them problem, hmm. and. Uh, even stopping my cycling career or live Iran forever or close my Facebook, don't share my photos on Facebook and raise my hands on the podium. And it was really disappointing. Uh, so probably from the from the that national committee, Olympic committee, they called them and they asked them why they support me to go to Turkey as my team managers and 
he explained them that they didn't and uh, I just because I I went to Turkey individually by my own money mm-hmm. and I stayed there and racing mountain bikes and I just came back to went back to Iran to visit my family and that was really disappointing again seeing that those stuff is happening because I wear national team because I was Iranian and uh, yeah. and I still I'm Iranian of course you are. right and uh, I didn't see any problem not wearing that I wanted to show them that the religion is not matter and I'm racing for Iran right. and I did and I I remember till end of 2013 when I was there in Turkey I raised 186 UCI points and all all of the points was uh, under Iranian uh, you know ranking do you know where that would have placed you in terms of your category from a UCI perspective uh, I was uh, hundred uh, Top 180 of the world ranking, and I think it was like top 7 in U.S. by the world ranking, UCI ranking. So i never been here to race with um, USA top guys here in USA. And uh, I never raced, and those guys never traveled to Turkey for race. So, but in the UCI ranking, it was like top 7. Right. You end up... Um, staying in Turkey for a while, you end up working with the Middle Earth travel people who are very good to you. I think I'm right in saying don't necessarily pay you, but right. provide you with the food that you need and shelter. Right, and because I was not uh, allowed to work officially by the government. I didn't have work authorized visa, and I was refugee. So, um, yeah, it was uh, one day after training uh, the city that the government tell me that I have to stay there. Uh, so I was, uh, after training, uh, end of the season, I was thinking, oh, what I'm going to do after racing season? I'm not going to have any kind of income or winning or podium prize or something like that. So I have to start uh, working and save this money or save, pay, pay my um life expenses so i saw um their office the middle earth um earth office and uh, so i walked in and asked the guy if they need any help with their mountain bike touring and he responded very warmly if i knew english and i said a little bit you're very good Thanks. So he asked me to send him an email and introduce myself and send a resume in English. Mm-hmm. And the day after that, they called me and they had a tour, and they asked me if I, if I can just, uh, you know, hang out with them and see what's going on in their tours and learn about the itineraries and routes and like, basically what they're doing in the, as a job. Um, I believe that um, as fate would have it, you end up living in a place in Turkey with some epic mountain bike trails right right there. It was like paradise. It was like unbelievable. <laughs> like uh, it's it's magical. It's really beautiful right with the very probably the most fun trails that I've ever uh, ride right in. Uh, have you been to Moab yet? Yeah, okay. been in Moab. It's very similar, but Moab is rocky, and uh, Cappadocia is mostly like sand and compact sand. Mm-hmm. I've seen some pictures doing some research. I mean, it's. I'll see if I can put them on the website uh, for the viewers to hear, but uh, to to see. But uh, it's pretty spectacular scenery. It is gorgeous. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, okay, so you are you're in Turkey. Uh, that's a transitional location for you. You're looking for a uh, for you for your next step on this grand adventure. Um, you end up again. Long story short, in in the U.S. How did how did you find a way to the U.S.? So and, and uh, by the way, where, what year are we in now? When you moved to the U.S., it was uh, end of two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, November. 
So about two years after you had been kicked off the Iranian right. team. Right. So I've been in Turkey for 23 months. My visa get expired again. So this time I said, all right, uh, there's no chance to continue my biking in Iran. And I don't have uh, residency here. My visa getting expired. So I went to United Nations office and uh, get an appointment and uh, talk about my story and actually apply being a refugee. Mm. So after then, uh, so they give you um, dates and for appointments and interview. So basically why uh, you want to leave, why you want to apply for a refugee. And I explained that I'm not uh, able to continue my education in Iran. And this is my result in international scene, and I cannot be part of my national team. And I cannot stay here because of residency and, yeah. Mm. So uh, this process takes probably 20 months, uh, interviews and, you know, background checks and all those stuff, and uh, finally get approval to come to U.S. And it was uh, November 2013. Uh, almost three years ago. Yeah. Um. So so three years ago, you make it from Turkey over to Seattle. Right. That's your first place that right. you, you started, right? Yeah. Um. Uh. What What's in Seattle? How did you end up there? I have a cousin there. I have a couple cousins there. So United Nations will ask if you have any relatives. Right. So normally, um, you go there. In case if they need to just uh, show you the way, uh, you know, at the start and help you, uh, which uh, they were really helpful. Right. Yeah. Um, how did you get from Seattle to Colorado? Uh, I stayed in Seattle for seven months. Uh, it's a very good biking community there and uh, very, I mean, very awesome trails over there. Very fun. But I find it really hard every day raining and being outside for four hours, five hours. It's kind of challenging and it's cost a lot for maintaining your bike uh, every day riding in mud and, uh, you know, yeah, uh, rainy condition. Very Uh, different than you've been used to. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And I didn't have like um, indoor... Uh, you know facilities uh, to train like uh, trainers or power trainers power meter nothing I just moved from Turkey to United States and uh, not having a job yet and right. uh, so I was uh, looking for a place to live uh, which is more sunny um, I was between California and Colorado two different places well, you made the right choice <laughs> right <you? laughs> yeah <laughs> and um I heard a lot of good things about Colorado and a lot of um, successful riders are here and uh, Federation is in Colorado too. Uh, high altitude, uh, I was always looking for somewhere higher than sea level. So yeah, uh, I picked Colorado. Good. What have you been doing uh, while you've been in Colorado? Right, uh, um, exactly when I... Uh, Flew from Seattle to and Denver, so I was guest for my friend for a couple of days, and uh, I and dropped my resume to REI company with his laptop. I borrowed his laptop, and uh, the day after that, I went to the store, REI store. Uh, and this is the one, the flagship store in downtown exactly. Denver. Yeah, mm-hmm. the one in downtown, and. Uh, I asked the managers if they have hiring uh, because I was not sure if I dropped my resume uh, completely or not. Uh, the laptop was too old and <laughs> so uh, freezing. Um, and I asked the manager if they have hiring and I had my resume uh, in the flashcard as well and I asked them if they can download it uh, uh, in their computers. and. Yeah, two days after that, they called me and uh, they they asked me if I have time for interview. And it was a group interview, 25 of us. 
uh, I was pretty nervous. I bet you were. Yeah, um, first job in USA, and uh, I don't know. I didn't know if my English were was good enough to get hired or not. But uh, yeah, all went good, and um, they hired me, and I'm pretty happy. Good. Yeah. Fantastic. Good. Yeah. The title of this podcast is Bikes and Community. Right. So uh, how has the local community here in Colorado helped you um, to this point? Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Like a family. I mean, uh, uh, very good, very friendly people. Uh, more than I was expecting, like uh, really, really awesome people. Uh, true bike lovers basically yeah, that's yeah. true yeah it's also worth noting uh that Sina and i are dr- sitting around the table drinking tea uh and um i've tried to explain to Sina as he as he already knew that there is a great connection between bikes and beer in the great state of colorado for probably every other state for that matter um and um but he's sticking to tea and i'm sticking to tea as well <laughs> just so you know um so talking about, about community, I understand that um, there was a, a very uh, generous uh, uh, local gentleman who helped you out with res- some, somewhere to stay in Leadville so that you right. could continue to uh, race at, at significant altitude. Uh, right. Leadville, for those of you who don't know, you start race, riding a bike at about 10,500 feet um, above sea level, um, which is, uh, which is good. The, uh, local mountain bike race there that everyone knows, many people know about is the Leadville 100. Um, but what, what was the story there? One of my friends dad, uh, who owns a place in Leadville, uh, after hearing about my story, when his son told about me to him and, uh, so he was really interested to meet me. Also, he came down to um, actually Golden one day to meet me, and uh, so ended up. Seen as uh, agents are calling him. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That's all right. So, um, very nice guy. The guy uh, who has been in Turkey as well when he was serving uh, U.S. military. Yeah, he offered me um, if he, if I want, I can stay in um, Leadville for two months um, for free food and uh, no cost for staying there. And he will help me with food if I want to back in shape and uh, train uh, and uh, get into the sh- real shape and just compete and maybe... Uh, I can show some result and get support here and start uh, finding support here in the U.S., which was I couldn't leave uh, my job in REI because I just started. Actually, he ended up helping me in many other ways. So during the season, he helped me to find uh, lots of sponsors. So he emailed people and companies and all his connections that he had. But uh, all the people were asking him, what are my results here in U.S.? And uh, they want results here to be able to support me. Right. So, and for for having a result... Uh, Probably every athletes know that you need support as well to get uh, to that level. Also, it's not easy. Yep. Like, so, so for anyone uh, who's listening to this podcast, you know, who would be interested in, in sponsoring you, right? So firstly, how do they get in contact with you? What's a, what's a good way? It's my email uh, uh, or social media, mm-hmm. uh, any of those. Would you uh, care to share that? Yeah. Uh, uh, my email is my name, Sina, S-I-N-A, dot S-O-L-O-U-K-S-A-R-A-N, at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my Facebook account is my exactly my first name and last name, Sina Saluksaran, S-I-N-A. My last name is S-O-L-O-U-K-S-A-R-A-N. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, they can definitely shoot me a text or email. Okay, so 
Let's let's talk about some results then. Give us uh, give us what you've been up to in the last sort of twelve to eighteen months in terms of races, performance. What what right. you've been up to? So um, in first year in Colorado, I was working for REI uh, as a uh, full time bike mechanic, and uh, so I was I was not involved. Uh, I didn't know anybody, so I tried to just get to know more people here and finding some friends, real friends, that they can, you know, connect me to other people as well. Uh, but I didn't have car too, so I just get here commuting to work from Golden to REI. It's about 15 miles each way. Yep. And uh, I asked them if they can give me a night shift, like uh, afternoon or afternoon shift, 1 to 9.30. Uh, so I can able to train in the morning and work after that. So my daily routine was uh, get on a bike like 8.30 or 9 and right till 11, 11.30. Get home, uh, eat something and again jump on a bike, go to work uh, and work there till 9.30 and be on a bike right back to gold and sleep and do it again and the day after that and people was kind of um, admiring me for that and uh, they were saying this is awesome and it uh, was I just want to make, make sure I understand what what you are saying here so you'd get up you'd ride I don't know for three hours so that would be putting in somewhere around uh, 20 miles 25 miles 30 miles something like that yeah maybe more okay okay maybe more right um and then you'd come home get in the shower eat some food and then ride from golden colorado to denver right which is 15 miles right. there 15 back so there's another 30 miles right, right there right so let's just call that 60 miles for the day right and almost every day right <laughs> Right. But I ended up uh, joining a local team in Golden. Um, Which team in, is that? Uh, Rocky Mountain Racing. Mm -hmm. And uh, really nice people, really uh, supportive people. Um, they helped me a lot. They share my story with the whole entire community here. That's how I find many, many good friends. And mm -hmm. uh, um, so they i didn't have cars so they invite me and they ask me uh, if i i need carpooling and like they they take me to the races and i just start racing colorado um uh, so for first year when i was in colorado and then ended up getting 10 local pro uh, podium in colorado and uh can you give what races were they it was like cross country. But uh, what specific? What were the names? I think you mentioned the Winter Park. Sing, yeah, epic Win single track. Right, Winter Park series. Here ended up with ten Colorado pro level podium, mm -hmm. which is uh, in the state. And Colorado has really great riders and athletes right. here. Probably um, uh, uh, strong even in the country. Right. We have a lot of riders that they make podium in the whole nation here. Right. And uh, so I dropped my resume uh, for a giant co-factory team for this year. And uh, luckily they picked me uh, for this year. And uh, I raced with them. So for this year, for the beginning of the season, I um, took two months off from work. Uh, so ARIA management team is very supportive as well. They know what I'm what I want to do and they're supporting that uh, for sure they're helping me a lot with my schedules and they're understanding uh, my passion and uh, so I, I went when Colorado was snowy and cold here and I went to California for long distance riding and uh, visiting my team teammates and team managers and there were some UCI races in in California as well so uh, I um, took place in those races as well and it was a great uh, way to start the season right and it was after probably four years taking place in UCI races right. with zero UCI points starting from all the way back 
So uh, it was fun. It was yep. very good. Uh, so I, I see you are wearing a uh, a giant team shirt right there. Right. Um, you've you've mentioned them uh, just a moment ago. What what support are they are they giving you? They're uh, helping me with uh, like gearings and uh, some products. Not hundred percent of the products. Um, like uh, they give me all my clothing and uh, uh, the other stuff. Not bikes. Uh, uh, unfortunately, the team is big, and they have a lot of riders, and they are not able to support all the riders. Mm-hmm. And it was my first uh, year. Probably they wanted to evaluate my uh, level, uh, but luckily I had support from Giant Turkey as well. So, so Giant Turkey helped me with bikes, and Giant USA helped me with my gearings and uh, traveling a little yeah. bit. Good for them. So, Sina, you've you've provided us with a with a fascinating insight into the journey that that you've taken and and your passion for riding bikes, the some of the crazy hurdles that you've that you've ridden through. Right. Excuse the met, the biking metaphor. I mean, you've dealt with you know with discrimination. Uh, all sort, all, all sort of discrimination. All sorts of discrimination. People were not returning phone calls, leaving your family behind in in right. Iran. Um, you um, have traveled from you know Seattle here to Denver. Um, you you remain you remain focused, but when you when you look back at everything that you've done, wh- why do you do this? Uh, just just I want to. I'm just seeing uh, forward, and I, I I want to reach my goal. I mean, no matter uh, what is behind this, I'm just keep going forward, and hopefully. I mean, I never had the chance like uh, being in that position, but uh, being in that position that I can train and use uh, all my potential to reach to my maximum level and uh, see what I can do. I want to be uh, top riders in the world and competing in World Cup level. That was always my hope and last, I mean, just last six years, I was challenging with uh, um, having my normal social rights, you know, to be able to travel, to be able to live, basically have a job and like this kind of stuff. I'm not looking uh, to the back. I'm just looking forward and uh, I'm always dreaming, every day dreaming my, you know, uh, okay, so you you want to get you know into the into a much higher level of racing. Um, how do you get there from here? What do you what do you need to happen for that to work? Um, I think I explain every riders to reach that uh, level need uh, good training, good knowledge, maybe coach, and probably good food and recovery. I mean, training, food, and recovery is. The three main things I guess I'm not in I'm not having all those supports yet and probably I have great equipment uh, giant turkey helped me uh, giving me bikes which is very challenging now I mean uh, my height is 5'3 and it it's very challenging for them to find the right size I'm riding small or extra small bike so that's another challenge for me to find the bike and I'm losing a lot of opportunities to find sponsors some of the companies they just make 29ers bike and uh, 29ers bike that doesn't fit me very well and uh, so I'm losing a lot of opportunities right there but it it strikes me that you need a few things one is you need um, a sponsor that can help you with that right Uh, two is you need to be in UCI sanctioned races earning UCI points right so how do, what are your plans to get to get I mean I, I think the great thing is with through um, exposure through things like this podcast and, and magazine articles etc people are going to get to know your name right so hopefully you'll get to you know hear of a sponsor at some point here um, but but what happens how do you get into the UCI circuit now how do you start owning those all important UCI points so it, it's about like um uh, traveling for races uh, and having a budget to travel and uh, 
It's like a catch-22 right now. Nobody trusts me because they need result to give me that budget. And I don't have that budget to travel to get those results. It's like, I don't know how that's going to happen. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm planning uh, to a uh, little bit travel even in the country or outside the country. Somehow get my points back and get a better position in, at the start. Because cross-country racing, uh, the start position in cross-country racing is a key. It's really important. And uh, if you're starting all the way back, uh, it doesn't maybe it doesn't mean that you're not as strong. Uh, right. So you get to the bottlenecks and like, uh, I don't know, like that's a that's another challenge maybe. Yep. So um, I'm going to throw this challenge out to the bikes and podcast community. Uh, let, let's, let's get this rolling, right? We've got a guy here who I think uh, beyond any measure that I've ever heard of has proved himself to be one of the most passionate um, mountain bike racers that I've ever heard of. Thank you. Um, he has podiumed uh, here in Colorado in, in 10 uh, very high-level mountain bike races, um, and is really looking to move forward towards his goal here of being a world mountain bike champion. Um, I'm sitting across the table from him right now looking at him, and I'm telling you, he has the look of a champion about him. Uh, the guy uh, is very focused on, on getting to these goals. And gosh, if he hasn't jumped through enough hoops here to prove that that's the case, I don't know what else he has to do. So if you are able to, um, to help... Uh, Cena achieve these goals of, of uh, getting to uh, connected to a sponsor, uh, to providing financial support, um, whatever it takes. Uh, let's get this moving. Um, Cena has put out his Twitter handle, uh, but if you want to get hold of us, uh, we can connect you to him. Um, I've mentioned um, some of the ways that you can do that. The easiest way is just to go to bikesand.net, uh, click on the contact us and follow the form there and we'll connect you so with that being said uh Sina um it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to meet with you and to listen to your amazing story um I hope we stay in contact and uh, I wish you the best of luck as you thank move you. forward towards this it's uh, it's a really great story thanks for letting me share my story and not talk to the bike fans and bike lovers not at all thanks very much thank you